Hey Greg, so have you been hit by a giant space beam from the sky lately? Uh, not that I know of. Uh, maybe? I don't know. Oh god. Have you been feeling powerful? Uh, I've been feeling kind of down today, like in the, in the sense of like just tired, but not like, not powerful. Did you have a recent hair change lately? Yes. Hmm, let's see. Have you developed any muscle growth? A little bit. Do you have a propensity to destroy things that are evil? Yes. Do you feel like creating peace? Yes. Are you an OMAC? <gasps> Maybe? Hmm. Let's explore this issue further. Okay. I'm thinking, well, how about OMAC one man army number one? Oh, yeah. From September, October 1974. 1974? That's way back. That is. Do you know what else was created in October of 1974? I don't know. What? I don't know. What? We'll find out. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery. We love mysteries here on Funny Book Forensics. We do, because we like to get to the bottom of the mystery. We do like to get to the bottom of the mystery. I also like to click my keyboard, and I know you appreciate it when I do that in the middle of the podcast. That's okay. That happens sometimes. I mean, it adds ambiance, and you know, people need to know that this is a, a living podcast in which we actually do work while we're trying to podcast sometimes, where we're you know, researching, clicking things. Looking it's a living stuff. document. It is. This is a document of our lives. It's, we're not originalists. No. Not, uh, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I know you don't. And I'm going to pivot from that topic really quickly before I get really depressed. So, okay. welcome to Funny Book Forensics, uh, episode 254, OMAC Corporate Citizen. Ooh. Are you ready? I am ready. Well, Let's tell go. me. Tell yeah. me, Greg. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Jack Kirby. Tell you about Jack Kirby. In the King of Comics? Three sentences. Yeah. Uh, three sentences. Uh, well, the King of Comics. Uh, he, uh, I, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have all these awesome things to read. Uh, he has the Kirby Crackle. And, uh, well, he's just a badass. Yeah, we're going to talk about Kirby's OMAC One Man Army Corps, and uh, we are not experts on Jack Kirby. This is true. There are, uh, Tomorrow's Publishing has like the Kirby Collector magazine that's on like a billion issues, and we definitely did not read everything about Jack Kirby. This is true. I have read Enough Said by, or Stuff Said, excuse me, by tomorrows and that was a lot of conversations with jack kirby and stanley which was super cool nice yeah thanks i, I really <laughs> led into that one there didn't i and you did. so, you just like boom boom boom, boom boom surprise like it's like it's like when you're a little kid and your best friend gets this awesome toy and they're like hey i played with this awesome toy last night and you're like oh cool cool thanks man 
And so, yeah, uh, and we have a lot of awesome toys to talk about in this comic book. Toy? Yeah. Toys? Yeah. Things? Um, Creepy friends? toys? Friends. Yeah. Friends. friends. Don't run. We are your yeah. friends. Yeah. Yeah, we're your friends. So let's get into this thing. So OMAC, the one-man army course. So we get to, to the say, cover. Yeah. I, I have to say, for when when you said we're going to talk about OMAC, and uh, and at first I, I thought as we're, we live in the Pacific Northwest, the first thing that came to mind is OMAC, the the town out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I was like, why are we talking about OMAC? Legit. Thinking about living there. Uh, I know. (laughs) I thought like, oh, okay. And then, and then you showed me this and I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, one of the, the, the strangest covers I've ever seen. Uh, We have OMAC, presumably, we don't know yet. Uh, We have a guy with a mohawk. Um, with a blue top and oranges tan pants, which tan pants are always a, a fine choice. Oh yeah, totally. And some cool boots. Caboots. Throwing a box with legs, hands, and a face. Yeah. Like like a box normally has in it. I mean <laughs> I don't know. I was reading the other day that postal rates were so low at one point that people yeah. used to ship their children across the country. What the No. Yeah, that's that's one super dangerous and two like that's like call the child welfare welfare people. They trusted the post office that much. You know, they send baby chicks through the post office. Well, yeah, and we saw how that what happened there. Well, that that's now. But back in the day, you know, when the post office like drove horses and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apparently that was a good thing. My dogs want to be on the podcast. You can hear them in the background. Listeners. I can. Maybe you should use the post office to ship your dogs somewhere. No, I cannot. And I will not. They are little dogs, but I think there's somebody. I think the post office is here delivering something. <laughs> That's probably it. Well, anyway, uh, DC, the line of the line of DC superstars, still only 20 cents. Your first issue spectacular. Whoa. And this was Jack Kirby's last regular series for DC. So uh, Jack Kirby came over from Marvel Comics. There was a big advertising campaign. And then Jack Kirby gave us some really interesting things. He wanted to create a lot of new things. So Jack Kirby didn't jump into Superman. He took over Jimmy Olsen, Superman's best pal, and started writing some crazy Jimmy Olsen stories. Oh, uh, he yeah. also brought us. Who are your favorite nineteen uh, seventies Jack Kirby creations from in the DC era? In the in the DC era, like uh, when he was, I when okay. So I, I butcher this all the time, but like I have I have the the big, uh, I call it like the, the big book that's too heavy for my bookcase because like my bookcase is one of those weak weak bookcases. Uh, looks like an Ikea bookcase, but it's not. And uh, the book itself is like really, really big. It's one of those like giant volumes, but it has like all the, the boom tube stories and stuff like that. And like, uh, so like the new gods. Yeah, you have that book yeah. and you haven't let me borrow it. No, I haven't. Cause like it's one, it's giant and it's huge. And two, it's holding up the other, uh, the other portion of the bookcase. 
ah, that makes sense. Well, I literally just bought that book on Amazon. <laughs> there was a buy two, get one free for those giant, giant graphics. And I'm going to sell one of them back and I'm going to keep that. And I'm going to keep Legion of Superheroes five years later, Omnibus. Right. Yeah, super excited about that. And so, yeah, in I obviously, I think most people have heard of, of Dark Side, sometimes yeah. called Dark Seed. Not sure how Jack Kirby actually wanted him to be called. Uh, I always thought Dark Seed made more sense, but since the cartoons told us it was Dark Side and Jack Kirby did have a little bit of oversight over superpowers in the 80s, we'll go with that. Okay, fair enough. And then we had Mr. Miracle, who oh, there was yeah. recently a Tom King uh, series, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal. But I've always loved Mr. Miracle in the Justice League International, too. Yeah, Mr. Miracle is pretty cool because, like, I like being uh, like uh, uh, in my in my previous life as a clown performer and stuff like that. You see, you get to work with a lot of folks that have uh, do do stuff, neat things like uh, you know escapes and stuff like that. And it's just his his whole his whole shtick, if you will, of escape artist stuff. It was always interesting too, is when they did the New Gods that the the notion that that Dark Side traded his son uh orion to the high father for his son scott free mr miracle i love that his name's scott free and i'm gonna tell you that as a kid i didn't get it (laughs) understandable i mean you know a nice play on words but definitely when you're a kid you don't you don't technically always always catch all those things and when you get to be older and as an adult, you do catch those nuanced things. I felt a little slow. Yeah. Uh, nah, nah, totally fine. Totally normal. Totally normal. But this idea that they had to trade their kids to, to create peace, uh, it was an interesting, and, uh, it's interesting too. the whole notion of the story, right? Is that they traded their kids so their kids would have perspective on the other culture. So the cultures would be at peace. Gotcha. It's kind of dark too. Because Mr. Miracle didn't fare so well in the pits of Apocalypse. No. Well, anyway, this is Jack Kirby's last regular series for DC. It's OMAC One Man Army Corps. It only ran eight issues, and Jack Kirby left. uh, This book was September, October 1974, and he left DC in 1975. So we didn't get a lot of OMAC early on. But as we referenced in the Blue Beetle episode... Uh, with the uh, countdown to infinite crisis, obviously OMAC comes back later. So this is the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning and learn more about OMAC. And if you've been following along, this is one of those, I don't want to call OMAC a one-off character because I don't think that was the intent, right? Like they created a series, but with only eight issues, OMAC sort of becomes one of those one-off characters that people love to go back and recreate. And so John Byrne uh, recreates OMAC later, and then OMAC obviously shows up in that other storyline that we referenced. And then there's another OMAC book even later on with Dan Didio and Keith Giffen at the helm uh, just a couple years ago. So it's one of those characters that just keeps showing up because it's so intriguing, and let's get into some of that intrigue. All right. So we jumped to the first page, and, okay, I... These build a friends are creepy. Yeah. Out. They are they are freaking creepy. If uh, if you're if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, go get a copy of this. Um, 
because you'll you'll definitely see what it is. It is like Dan described. It's a box with parts, body parts. And it's one of those things too. Like if I'll, I'll give the DC direct link and uh, I'll give the link on Comicsology, like I do in, in the show notes, so you can read along and, and maybe even a, a little bit before we release this one, we'll go ahead and and link it, put the links out on Facebook and Twitter, so you can read ahead. Because we do think it's worth reading this one before we get into this, so you can sort of form your own opinion. Mm-hmm. But this is one where I actually. We have one of the original books and it's worth having because when you've got the old comics ad with the toys next to the creepy <laughs> toy box, right? it's a lot freakier than when you're reading it in the color reproduced. And you, you have that nice volume on your bookshelf too. I'm sure, actually, I think this isn't the second volume, so it depends on which one you have, which omnibus, but. I think it is in the one that I have. Yeah, it is it is creepy. And especially with the hand sitting on the box above the knee. Yeah. It's it's like a like um for the listeners, if you if you haven't seen it, it it's it's uh it's it's like a human build a bear. If you know what a build a bear is, you go to the bear you go to the store at the mall, they have all the parts, you can stuff it and put all the things inside it to make a bear. Um, you know, um and and you you have a bear and or whatever whatever character it is and and there's your friend and but this is this is a a, a person like friend a person like friend I don't it know. is and it's even creepier because the face is between the legs yeah where yeah yeah so this is a clean family show folks so use, yeah. use your imagination this is a, a clean family book too right <laughs> so well there is the comics approved by comics code authority on the front so this made it through yeah hello put me together i'll be your friend (laughs) it is jack kirby though so maybe he had a little bit more uh sway with the comics code authority yeah yeah he he probably he probably did he's like hey it's a good story and uh, this is cool too. Uh, creators are Jack Kirby, who is the writer, penciler, and editor. So Jack Kirby gets to edit his own stuff. Nice. And then Mike Royer, it was the inker and the letterer on this one. So there's your creative team, a creative team of a total of two. Two. And actually, there's probably a color, so I'll try to put that in the show notes because I don't see it here. So let's move on, and we'll get to the next page. So we move from the disembodied body in the box to... How would you describe this page, Greg? It's it's a lot going on. I mean, you got people running. Uh, there are... It, it's, it, it's people freaking out, you know, the... Uh, they're they're yelling about the peace agency and you got this guy in the back that's like you know hey this is uh this plant's illegal and dangerous and and you got all these people just like scrambling and it's a lot of action going on who is the peace agency i don't know that's what i like you know it's like uh what what is all this you know it's like you see these build a friend boxes and these other things and it's like uh you just don't even know what's going on yet and we have a guy with a mohawk uh, with epic mutton chops. Yeah. And tan pants. Tan pants, 
cool shirt. Big belt. With an eye on it. Yeah. The yeah, you gotta so this is this is what we call in storytelling a teaser. It's an interesting first issue sort of thing. We'll go to the next page here, because now we have the guy with the eye saying, by the powers granted to me by the Global Peace Agency, I declare this plant illegal and dangerous. And then he starts attacking things. Yeah. Wreck and shop. When he finds a box and he starts talking to it. it which is like, I mean, what's inside? So I I was thinking that like they cut up a human and put the human inside because he's talking to Lila. Yeah, he's 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 he knows a name and the box is talking to him. And says, You're very nice. I will be our I will be your friend. Mm-hmm. And, and then he blows up the entire thing, saying, My body is transmitting enough explosive power into the into this unit to start a chain of blow ups. Whoa. A chain of blow-ups. I, I mean, Jack Kirby's his own editor, Greg. Yeah. So it I makes like, sense. It's Jack Kirby. I like, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not arguing with it. I, 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 I like it because it, it, then it's just like, boom, boom, boom. And a lot of Kirby crackle. Oh, yeah. There's 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 Kirby Crackle everywhere on the third page. This is a, this is in storytelling what we call a teaser, right? Uh, we're teasing the story. We're teasing it further. Uh, so chronologically, this is not the beginning of the story, right? No, we're 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 getting something from somewhere else, and we're gonna we're gonna get more. But this is definitely like, oh, what what is this? I gotta know more. At least we hope so, because if this was the beginning of the story, it'd be very confusing. Oh yeah. So what are times when when you use it? <laughs> yeah, when do you use a teaser when you're telling stories, Greg? Like, when's the best time to use one? Uh, definitely at the beginning of the beginning of something like uh, like like Kirby did here. Uh, when you want to give the reader uh, a hint of what they're going to experience, uh, so they kind of you know can either get excited about whatever it is that's coming up or uh gonna happen yeah and since the show is called funny book forensics for those of you that did forensics uh with us it's a very common practice in storytelling in that genre too is to pique interest in a story if you're doing like a 10 minute presentation give a quick hit of, of something in the story and then loop back into the story itself uh to pique people's interest it's kind of like providing a roadmap to somebody uh in a in a speech or even if you're like if you're giving a presentation like say oh my uh because this does this does hint to other stuff uh in in this story but heaven forbid we talk about day jobs and other stuff like that not that we're going to talk about our day jobs but uh in your day-to-day life whenever you're giving a presentation or anything like that you tend to kind of give a roadmap about whatever it is you're going to talk about and that would be a teaser and then you jump into the and in this case, we have a couple of things we just don't know about. We want to know why this guy's blowing up this place. We want to know what the peace agency is. We want to know why all these disembodied people are in boxes. Mm-hmm. And I want to know who all the weird guys in the tan jumpsuits are. Yeah. And 
why is he gonna why why is he transmitting enough explosive power to start a chain of blowups? And why is that guy in the upper left hand corner jumping like Spider Man? Ooh, good question. And the guy across from him sitting like Spider Man. Oh my, I don't know. And the other people sort of moving like Spider Man. What? Is that Dude. a call out? It could be. Is this a Ditko Kirby thing? Well, anyway, Sometimes. next page. <laughs> no. Before I get, I was like, I just totally cut you off. I'm like, next page. Let's get next started. Page. Now we're here. Oh my yeah. one one man army really begins here. So Jack Kirby lets you know that was a teaser. You didn't get it. It really begins. In a one-man operation, a unit of many small subdivisions growing out of what was once called NASA, this facet of the world that's coming reveals how today's space satellites may become more than instruments. Brother Eye and Buddy Blank is the title of our story. Whoa. And together, they have the power of GPA. Great point average? No. That's okay. the Global Peace Agency, and they've approved the OVAC project. So they are good. And it's good. They are, the Global Peace Agency is, uh, I, I would argue, somewhat problematic <laughs> if you're looking at it in today's lens. Uh, they tell us that they represent every nation and they have to cover their face with cosmetic spray to ensure that nobody can see what nationality they are. So nobody knows who makes decisions. That makes sense, I guess, from their perspective. Yeah, from their perspective. I mean, they're, you know, let's just eliminate culture. And it's fine. So we have uh, Buddy Blank here and Project OMAC. And we have Professor Myron Forrest. So Professor Myron Forrest, he is waking up his satellite, Brother I. And it's about to do something important. Ooh, what are they going to do? They are going to awaken the beast in Bloody, in, in Bloody Bank. Buddy Bank, but but Buddy, buddy blank. blank. There we go. See what my brain gonna is make there? bloody. He's gonna make something bloody. It is interesting too because uh, creating a superpowered uh, character potentially out of a weakling nobody. Um, that's never been done before by Jack no. Kirby. No. Okay. Not, it's just, not, it's, it's, uh, I've never seen it. I've never seen it in any Kirby creation ever. Not uh, there's no there's there's nothing that I've ever seen before. No Captain America. No Spider Man. No. It's interesting too because the big round satellite in space kind of looks like a shield. What? Get out of here! Oh my! With an eye on it. Well, anyway, the professor. We turn the page. The professor's talking to the satellite which is interesting. They're having a nice little conversation. Uh, apparently, you can talk to satellites from Earth. You know, I'm, uh, I'm assuming this is the future in the future that uh, satellites and or computers that, they're, uh, that are being utilized and stuff like that might be sentient, you know? So, in a sense. And we now find Buddy Blank in the offices of Pseudo People Incorporated. Kind of people? Kind of people, sure. I mean, it's a corporation, so... 
you're working for pseudo people, certainly since you and I don't work for large corporations at all with lots of processes and things, we don't know anything about this. No, not being like a, like a number or whatever. In a large corporate. Yeah, no, it's fine. And so now we get, uh, the big bully, of course. And, and again, this has never been seen in a Kirby book before where the big bully pushes around uh, somebody smaller and weaker than them. Mm-hmm. Yep. He just kind of pushes them off. He's he, Poor Buddy Blank. He's carrying a, you know, he's got a big box of folders that he's got to take to Mr. Fox. You know, he's just, get out of here. And then his Super V, assuming his supervisor, like, chews him out says he has a persecution complex, he thinks it's everybody else's fault, and then he gets tripped on the way out of the room. So it's it's great. Okay, Buddy Blank is not having a good day. No. And so he goes, he has some options here because in corporations, of course, uh, they become your life, and so you become a pseudo person, and everything is offered to you, your lunch, your sleeping quarters, everything. And even a silent room and a destruct room. Whoa. Looks like there's a crying room, too. Oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. And he goes uh, to the destruct room and oh. watches people go crazy, but he doesn't really do it. They're, just, they're going nuts like an office space when they destroy that uh, copy machine. Just, like, destroy. And he bemoans, man... I don't feel like kicking lifeless things or doing things. I don't feel like burning cars right now. It shows a guy burning a car with a lot of Kirby crackle. And then he runs into Lila. Oh, hey. It's like she just knew he could use a friend right now. Oh, that's nice. That's sweet. She has some interesting hair. Yeah. It's kind of a neat, like a nice hairdo, you know. She's she's comfortable in the fact that she has bangs and whatnot. You know, they're just kind of cut there, right there, and then they kind of like wave down. It's interesting. Which contrasts with Buddy's sort of like uh, middle aged balding, uh, worked for a corporation for a while hairdo. He's pulling it back, pulling it back. Yeah, I mean, I don't resemble that at all. So now <laughs> we're gonna move on to. Oh, hey, we got a spy. Oh, Uh-oh. she's more of a person than than that uh, than that company dummy blank. They're talking about her. She's perfect, and they're spying on their interaction. And they're wearing those same tan suits that we saw in the teaser. Oh man, and they got the goggles. Oof. So it's interesting. As we turn the page, we see Lila leave. And she goes down, and there's a bunch of disembodied heads and legs and feet, and she's down in Section D. Section D. So it is interesting, the beginning of the story. So we're about halfway through. just wanted to, to draw a couple things out in the story. And this one's going to move quick. There's not a, a ton of text in the story, but there are a lot of panels. Uh, what I was going to ask is, it's it's interesting because there, there's a lot of, there's a lot to, to break down here. And so if you just read this book on its face, so you can get through the book pretty quickly. Uh, one, it's like, okay, I need to quit saying it's like, Kirby predicts what work life is going to be like in the future. Yeah. He kind of, he, uh, he I, I would say he, I, at first glance, you're like, he kind of does, but in actuality, he, 
he really does. And I, I'm going to say in pre-COVID environments, you know, like when we're all going to the office or in all, you know, like if people were um, in their quote unquote normal day to day. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, your, your workspace becomes your, your, your place, um, the place that you go, uh, your other, you know, you, they, they tend to say that you have three places, right? You have home, you have work, and you have another place you go to, to whatever. But a lot of times work has become uh, a place that has taken that other place and, and put that into its workspace, right? So a lot of workplaces have uh, gyms and uh, places to do sports stuff or coffee shops or uh, even recreational places with uh, ping pong tables and uh, game areas, puzzle places, reading nooks, all those other things, you know? So it's, it's, they've, they've kind of, they've kind of built that in, you know, and, and even sometimes they even have like, you know, nice little eateries and whatnot. Yeah. And the whole idea is to keep you there, right? It's, 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 that's your community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've even seen some places that, uh, uh, where the, um, neighboring areas have been purchased up by developers to build up really nice apartments or, or whatnot so that the employees are literally just across the street. And so if you build that sort of, of community, the idea was that people would be more productive. And so it was, a, it was a numbers thing, right? Like how much do I spend on my company to keep people there working at my company, keep them comfortable and make that their life in community. And a lot of it too was predicted from the college model. So I don't want to leave universities out of it, right? The whole idea of the university is you live people, people live there, you capture the, the revenue and the money, and then businesses started replicating this as well. And of course, universities have been doing this for years too. So I don't want to just pick on corporations, but this idea of sort of giving somebody this this community. I know at a university I recently taught at, I I met students that hadn't walked eight blocks from the university. Yeah, because if you put everything there that they don't that they don't need to leave uh, the university, they've got they've got food, uh, they've got a, a place to shop. They've got um, a cool coffee place or whatever. Um, heck, a bowling alley in some places or even all their other sports recreation gyms and other stuff like that. Movie theater uh, and high-speed internet. You don't have to go anywhere, right? Right. But the problem, of course, is then that there's an extreme potentially like emotional harm to this and loneliness and potentially some really damaging uh, things that can damage someone's mental health by doing this, especially if something comes wrong, uh, goes wrong in that workplace environment or that school so, environment. So did they start putting rage rooms in? Well, they may have started putting rage rooms in and you lighten it up for me, but in the comic, they don't lighten it up. And so what happens is Buddy meets uh, Lila and then he goes looking for her because, well, he wants the, to find the person that was nice to him, that yeah. was his companion. And he ventures off down into the area he's not supposed to go. He well, says, I'm from upstairs and I've come downstairs. Yeah, I think that's like, I mean, in all honesty, too, I mean, like a lot of times when you're when you're stuck in a in a place that either a work or school environment or, or any type of environment in which you're stuck there for eight to multiple hours uh or or you know 24 hours in some situations and you know if you're it's a live to work or live you know for school or whatever 
you're you you build that community and you go looking for the companionship that you have that you built that that community that you built right so if it's friends and they're in other places you you tend to take that longer trip to wherever to go and visit them or or whatever you know and that's that's what our our buddy blank is doing because he's he's found that person that is nice to him where everyone else kind of treats him like crap and just when you're in the workplace, you have that inherent fear of moving from your position into a different position. And when that position is threatened, your job's threatened, your finances are threatened. So there's an inherent fear to speak up or move up or down. And in this case, he literally moves down to look at the secret room. But it's something that people in these workplaces fear, too. Because, you know, like in any in any situation, there's there's stuff that goes on where uh, this is this is what goes on here. And he's not part of that. So now we get him and he goes downstairs and he sort of transitions from Buddy Blank. Limited citizen, limited corporate citizen stuck in his role. And he moves down and he gets captured almost immediately for going down where he's not supposed to be. And they're threatening to kill him because they think he's going to be a whistleblower. And then, like all good bad guys do, they straight up tell him what their plan is. So because the bad guys, <laughs> yeah. Why is it that bad guys always tell the, spill the beans? Well, we've got to make Buddy into an everyman hero here. So... We're going to tell him Pseudo People Inc. builds all types of programmed automatons for the amusement and business markets. Whoa. But down here, I've opened What's up an a automaton? field watch. Like a robot? They are robots. Oh my gosh. His friend, his, wait, his friend is a, 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 a robot? Yeah, and that guy just put that robot together and he is really interested in that robot. In fact, these robots might be used for stuff. Friendship? Yeah. Yeah, friend friendship. We're gonna go with extreme close friendship. And he goes to kiss the robot and she blows up. Whoa. That's hot. That's meta. <laughs> Kaboom boom. Kaboom boom. And yeah. but but he's like, You murdered that person. And they're like, Yay, we're gonna murder people. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. Haha. <laughs> Bombed out. <laughs> and then they, they tell her they tell him that Lila is also one of these female bombs, a pseudo person. No. No, and he screams, and all of a sudden, Buddy Blank is transformed with magical Kirby Crackle. Oh, man. And there's more Kirby Crackle. And the man's hand is burning. It's, he's, he just like, it, it's, it, he's exploding into particles and accelerating and, and hot fire and changing. And the Silver Surf, I mean, OMAC. <laughs> OMAC. And since on the next page he tells us, I am OMAC, it's good to know because now we know who he is. Yes. We're not sure what OMAC stands for or anything like that. 
Uh, but it is interesting the the way that this this guy. I mean, again, we've never seen Kirby do this before. Empower a weakling who's let, not strong and doesn't have power in society to become a super soldier of some sort and fight people. Mm-hmm. And that's never happened, right? Right. Okay. I, so, I like how they describe him as a god of war. A god of war. He's not a super soldier. He's, He's a, a god, god of war. Well, I mean, he went from like, I mean, he went from like a buck wet to like, you know, probably um, 290 ripped. 290? Yeah, that, that could be fair. I mean, his thighs are, are pretty ripped. Okay, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, you could be right. We're, we're thinking Brock Lesnar proportions here, probably. Yeah, I mean, okay, he might be maybe three. Uh, Brock Lesnar's not that, that quite that heavy. I think he was he fought at like two sixty five, two eighty five, and right in I'm, that I'm range. Just, okay, okay. I, 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 what did I say? Did I say two ninety. I meant uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not okay. No, no, no. Maybe one one ninety. One ninety. I think he's bigger than that. I think he's Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. We got we got him here, and I think it's interesting too it's because the hair, it's the hair. I'm sorry, the hair does the make hair. him taller. It, well, it makes it just it's just the proportion. No, I'm joking. I mean, it's interesting though too. I think this shows like Kirby's uh, maturity as a person, right? So you're yeah. you know if you, if you think about Captain America, right? He becomes a super soldier to fight the Nazis, right? <laughs> and so you know, we're in the 70s now. And a lot of life has happened here and there's a new enemy, right? And Kirby clearly sees the future of corporate politics and the future of technology uh, as an enemy that needs to be destroyed. Yeah, because I mean, like you start to take a look at where, I mean, where society was in the seventies and moving forward, you know, uh, corporations were definitely taking a stake in, into different things. And, and it was becoming, more and more uh known by by people that that was that was how society was definitely you know making that turn and i mean obviously in 2020 we're we're here corporations corporations are people man yeah we're here well and you got to think about the time too uh this book september october 1974 cover date nixon resigned on august 9th 1974 so all the watergate stuff had just happened uh we've gotten out of vietnam so there wasn't there was just a war where there wasn't the clear enemy like the nazis right we we didn't have the nazis you had communism in the 50s and then people become disillusioned gas prices uh i don't think they've quite gone up yet but we're getting there no, but we're getting to that gas crisis issue, uh, you know, it, you know, stuff, and then we're starting to see more and more um, things, you know, food processing, other things like that. You know, we're make, making the switch from going from like farm to table to more like box to stove. <laughs> and we're seeing corporations like Dow Chemical drop, na- you know, give napalm to the army so they can drop it into Vietnam, right? Like we're seeing just more of this happening in society and people's response to it. And so here's OMAC and he's fighting against the, you know, it's interesting because when he goes downstairs, the, the employees become, at least the employees upstairs had pseudo personalities uh, at pseudo people Inc. Right. They, they had personality, like they were making fun of buddy, but they, they had a culture and a, and community and personality. And he goes downstairs and it's everybody in these tan jumpsuits 
that are all working as automatons to to create these weird female sex robots. Yeah, which is kind of sketchy. And and weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's weird. Uh, I mean, there are things like this now too in 2020, so it was predictable. I don't want to get too far into some weirdness. At least I think it's weird. And yeah. but there's been uh, companies that have been building uh, lifelike robots specifically with the goal of sending them for people to sleep with or white, very lifelike dolls. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of controversy about it and probably justifiably so people are wondering like, what is this? And just like anything that's new, you know, there's going to be controversy to it. I mean, there's, 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 I can't remember. There's a documentary somewhere. I, I don't know if it's on Netflix or some streaming thing. I didn't watch it, but it was like talked about like a year or two ago about the guy that has the, the friend I, I air quoted for anyone not able to see me. Uh, but it's his, uh, it, it's his, it, he treats this lifelike doll as his, you know, it's his companion, takes it everywhere. And I know we started calling it weird. And again, that's, that's our reaction to future technology. And it's very similar to what Kirby's reaction is like in 10 years, that may not be weird at all. It may just be part of the human existence, yeah. uh, just like social media or anything else. And so I, I do, you know, I said weird and I'm kind of critiquing myself a little bit too, sort of deconstructing the system, right? Trying to figure out, hey, well, is that actually weird or is that just normal? And has that become the normal state of affairs? I, it, and that's, I guess it's just like, you know, how, how people interpret it and or how they, you know, how, what is, what is weird or normal for them, right? So what's weird to us at this time or for us, not not our normal is somebody else's normal so and i'm not gonna hmm? oh yeah i was just saying and i'm not gonna correct us here like sometimes i might correct us like hey full stop let's let's not use weird and normal but i want to here because this is what this is kirby's story and he's identifying what he feels is weird and normal because it's very clear through the storytelling yeah and 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 he's making and with that he's making it a point to send OMAC in to kind of course correct what is weird to facilitate normal or normalcy. Well, and he's what's, making- weird, what's weird to him is sending robot companions to blow people up. And that's not normal. Robot companions for people could be normal, but blowing people up with them, not normal. So, <laughs> you know, and it's very think, clear that he's identifying the corporate entity as the thing that corrupts the system too, right? Yeah. Potentially say, taking something that could be positive perhaps mm-hmm. and then using it to manipulate others. And in this case to murder people directly. Right. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's no question. In, yeah. Putting people into a situation where they're, they're, you know, their, their work-life balance is, is so skewed that they, they need a, a destruction room, a silence room, and a crying room, and whatever other rooms they need to get through the day, you know? Uh, so, so we get a lot of really terrible dialogue while OMAC murders people. Uh, I mean... And, yeah, and there's no, there's no getting around it. He straight murders people, crushes them. He murders <laughs> them for peace. It's good. Yeah. 
Well, and 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 that's you know, I mean, he's doing he's he's doing the Lord's work. <laughs> sure, and it's interesting too because there is a character coming out of Charlton Comics in the '60s, and you're going to see a really bad portrayal by John Cena. Uh, for this character called the Peacemaker, whose whole goal was to create peace. And here we have the Global Peace Agency. Mm-hmm. And we have sort of another attempt at that type of hero. Because that, as we mentioned with Blue, in our Blue Beetle episodes, the Charlton Action Heroes line didn't last very long. So the Peacemaker didn't last very long until the Peacemaker was revived later in the late 80s, early 90s. And then again, and of course, is going to show up in a movie with John Cena. Or is it a TV series? Uh, it's going to be a streaming series, I believe. On HBO Max. And that's why I don't know about it, because I can't watch HBO Max. Yeah. So I, I will be able to soon, though. Yeah. I remember watching, I reading some of the some of the older, the older issues. Not the older, older issues, but the ones that came out in, like, the 80s, 90s and stuff. And it's kind of, it's one of those things where, like, you, and not to not to jump off the OMAX stuff, but... With a character like this that that believes they're doing the right thing, you can you can empathize with them because they're they're you know they they see what they see right, and they're like they're doing their they're doing what they believe is right. Not to say that that's that's right, but you you can as you're reading the story, you're like, oh okay, I mean, that's that's their that's what they're doing. And in, uh, to quote Jack Kirby in the book, in a terrible flash of insight, Omak realizes why he exists, what his mission is, and what his enemy is, man's own capacity for self-destruction. And then oh, he says, so Try it to fix it. Omak lives so that man may live. So he's, he's very delusional and self-important. Mm-hmm. But... When a little corporate man is suddenly empowered, he becomes president. <laughs> oh boy, you went there. Well, anyway, so Omak blows things up. He finds Lila, 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 L-I-L-A. I've been L-I. saying it Lila the whole podcast, and then I switched on you. So. I, 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 Lila. and he's very upset like they say th- he feels like the company made a mockery of the human spirit and i i do want to focus on that line too because yeah. that's when he says he's got to protect society from itself so the notion of joining uh this corporation that then makes you a slave or and makes you indentured to them makes you live in their community uh it's more of that, I think, than the women in the box, right? Like this idea that 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 a corporation would create people that would create this, and that makes the mockery of the human spirit. I can read behind the lines here, or between, yeah. between the lines here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that makes sense because they've 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 stripped away the decency to make these people that work in this these the pseudo the pseudo people to make the pseudo the pseudo pseudo people. So we're, we're bouncing to the end, Greg. And, and you know, before I, we're, we're about to the last page and I, I want to cover the last page, but yeah. I, I want to ask you before we get to the last page. Okay. So we are in our <clears throat> ages, 40s, right? We're yeah. reading this now. Uh, and, and we read a little, you and I both read OMAC in the past. So this is not our first time looking at OMAC. However, do you think, 
a kid reading comics in the 70s was picking up on all this subtext that we're talking about. Heck no. Did you see this dude that's like wrecking shop, destroying stuff because he's got superpowers. He was a, he was a, uh, no, uh, he was buddy. No name. He was, you know, he was this guy that was getting beat up and picked on and then he gets powers and, and he's like, going to just like destroy stuff. And it's a, and, and from that perspective, it just looks cool. Right. I mean, as a kid, you're just like, Oh cool. This guy, He's got powers. He bullets are bouncing off of him. These guys want to kill him, but he's not going to let it happen. And oh no, he sees that like these ladies are bombs, and you know, not bombshells, but well, they are bombshells in a sense because they're just a shell with a bomb in it. But uh, see what it did there. Uh, and then you know he he has to destroy him. But but with the when you take a look as an with older eyes and and pull away all the subtext and you know and and look at that and you're like oh wow yeah a deeper story and i think kirby at this point was it was trying to write his own stories and make them different and this is almost like a retelling of captain america for a more mature audience oh for sure i yeah without a doubt because you've got you've got a guy who has gone through all these all these things and gets these powers and then also sees how bad things are and why they are and wants to right those wrongs, but at, at the, you know, at the cost. And I think it's interesting too, how, so we did grab recent issue of Jack Kirby collector. I think it's issue 79 from tomorrow's and they have an article. It wasn't my favorite article on OMAC. I know I said I wasn't going to talk about it and then I brought it up anyway. Yeah. But the, I think I love tomorrow's stuff. It was just, the article was written as if brother. I was the author of the article. So that, that was what was hanging me up, but there is a lot of good information in there about OMAC and Kirby's direction here. And I think one of the things too, you think about it, this is, the original cover, and this is the thing I want to reference in here. The original cover we were looking at, it said that the world, I think, did it say the world deserved it? Um, I'm trying to remember. it. So they redid the cover. Yeah. And the original cover I either said the world deserved it or the world gets this or something like that. And I think that's really telling of what Kirby's intent was here, even if we don't have the exact wording, because yeah. they redid the cover slightly. Yeah, I, I think uh, to to your point about it being from the uh, the the perspective of Brother Eye, I, that goes back to my of my my point about maybe it's a sentient being, right? So having it come from that perspective is like you're 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 having you're getting this conversation from this 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 thinking. Well, when we turn the page, we find out exactly that. So, oh my God. Very good. Omak, you've heard everything I told you. Brother Eyes talking to him, and he says, You gave me the powers when I needed them. And Brother Eye tells him, We are like brothers. He transmits some beams to him, and what you find is those beams penetrate his brain. They give him powers, and they give him the right uh, powers for the right situation often. 
And then he goes off and he's going to find Professor Myron Forrest, mm -hmm. who created him, and then, and Brother I. And then he's on to Mr. Big because he's the one that wants to be with you. Yes. He's the one. I can't sing. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> do you think but, anybody gets that anymore? Yeah. I but don't anyway. know. I, I'm pretty sure anyone that listens to us and, 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 within our bandwidth probably does and they're probably gonna like now that that song is gonna permeate it's gonna be just like just like the powers have penetrated omax brain the song is gonna penetrate theirs and it's just gonna be there and they're and and hopefully they're gonna like you know send us messages or something like that That's well it's awesome. interesting uh in reading about omax uh, one of the letter pages later on has the uh, lyrics to the song. Does not have the lyrics to the song. That would be really creepy. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kirby, you knew too much. <laughs> We're gonna get into so Kirby writes a letter to the fans here, and you can feel his frustration with with DC Comics when he writes this letter, and you can feel his frustration with society. I do want to point out before we get into this, though, one of the in one of the letter columns later on with Omac, one of the readers just writes something to the effect of everything Jack Kirby writes for DC just gets further and further out there. But is that really a bad thing? Because, like, I don't know. I mean, I thoroughly enjoy a lot of these stories because they are out there. But that's yeah, and I don't. Work. I don't think it was a bad thing. I just don't think it was commercially successful. And that was that was part of the, the poor relationship with DC. As time went on, DC wanted to assign Jack Kirby to some of their more traditional stuff and, and move him over. And he just didn't want to do that, right? He wanted to tell his stories. And so he thought he was getting a platform to tell these stories. And it's pretty clear to you, he's writing, he's writing to a readership that's been following the Jack Kirby career, right? Yeah. Not writing to a readership that's, that's 12, 13 years old. Right. He's writing to a very um, mature audience. And I think, you know, it's probably, we'll, we'll probably read another OMAC issue in the next few weeks, but I, I think we should probably also go back and read some Golden Age Shaq Kirby to see if we can get through that. Yeah. And, and, and just see what Kirby and, and Simon were doing. Uh, to see what it was like and, and see how he matured as a writer and, a, and as a creator. I do want to reference his letter, though. Okay. And I was going through it, and he's talking about taking his granddaughter to Disneyland oh, and yeah. Frankenstein and all sorts of things. And then he says in the letter, the point is that men in general are unpredictable in groups, irresponsible, and as individuals defenseless against a dawning super age. Enter OMAC to hold the fort until we catch up with our own weakness and handle as a whole the wondrous things we are capable of producing. OMAC is rationality, strength, and compassion. In the simplest of terms, his purpose is, is to see what we can finish that we can finish our hamburger without the intrusive element of a shockwave, a universal dissolvent, or body cells gone bananas. Bananas. B -A -N -A -N -A. He's pissed at cancer. Yes. As we all are, because cancer yes. sucks. Yeah, it does. Totally sucks. Too but it's interesting. It's, you know, when you start digging into this, there's some, some even more layers here. He doesn't seem to be much for technology. He seems to think corporations have caused things like cancer. Yeah. 
And he's not too far off from that as we start to see from that point in which he's writing the story to, you know, 15 years later, a lot of things were um, in that point, you know, point to where the foods we eat, the things we're using, uh, things were being produced, were causing various forms of it. And uh, even today, I mean, they're starting to pull things off the market that uh, are starting to see that I actually have a jar of of some sort of food that that uh, um, states on the label that um, something either like either something on this container or whatever in the state of California is known to cause cancer. Now that scares me. <laughs> yeah, and Rachel Carson's book Silent Spring came out in 1962, so it's been a few years since that happened. We started to dig into the pesticide industry. Of course, we had the Dow Chemical Company and everything that happened in Vietnam. And it's also you know, not just predictive to like companies controlling our bodies, say through the production of bad chemicals, but also is very predictive of like the power of technology and social media. Obviously you use a lot of uh, more social media than I do, but I certainly use social media. Mm -hmm. And this idea we've had, you and I have had a lot of conversations about say dialing back social media, or in my case, I go through and like turn off all the notifications on my apps and everything. Whereas you have to keep those on because you do a little bit more interaction. And, and again, thank you because you do it for us, <laughs> yeah. right? I'll post the po I'll post full transparency, folks. A lot of times I'm posting the posts that announce the show, but Greg's posting everything else. And that's how we work our funny book forensics Twitter. I don't mind sharing that with you for the case of this great podcast because that's part of how it works. And then I've had to go turn off notifications because it was just driving me nuts. It just was not good for my mental health to continue to read everybody on social media talking about how terrible the world is and how it's destroying them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it gets, it, it, it gets claustrophobic. That's the best way to say it. I mean, it feels like you're stuck in a room that has no no doors or windows, right? You you have this thing in your pocket that's continually um, telling you everything that you either know already or that you don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Again. <laughs> and, and it's... Oh. You're still going. So we no, totally no. talked over each other. But yeah, I, I think it's because uh, we're both excited and interested in this. And I was just going to say, Kirby toward the end of this says... Think about OMAC. If fantasy can become fact, what kind of man will it take to contend with the world that's coming? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that really says it all. It's a, it's he's, a question. It's a good question. And on that super happy note, <laughs> OMAC. OMAC! Yeah, it is. I think it is, though. I think one thing I will say about OMAC, and I'm going to take it back up a little bit. It's a, it, it's, it's, it's deep. It's deconstructing corporations. There's a lot here. But you and I both, after reading the first issue, went through and read all eight. Yeah. Almost immediately. And, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you feel compelled to do so because you really want to know what the what story lies ahead. Uh, what is OMAC gonna do? Going to do, and it's it's so weirdly interesting to me that uh, there's so much 
prophetic writing in this in a, in a way right i mean there it, it's it's and obviously it wouldn't be such a um a, a standing storyline if if it wasn't so good in these eight these eight stories because i mean they continually bring omac back yeah, and since it, it did end abruptly, right, because Kirby left, so you have like eight stories, and then I think you have a backup in Commandy, mm-hmm. the last boy on Earth, if you don't know. And don't know. Check the... Out. Check it out, if you don't know. And it's... Commandy's one of those those characters that lived on, too, that Kirby created, that people were fascinated with. But you're looking at this, and I think one of the things, too, we haven't talked a lot, a lot about the art, except joking about Kirby Crackle, but if you go to page 20... Right. And you contrast how he looks when he's fighting people. And then he's looking up at Brother Eye and that forlorn face as he's looking off. I'm going to start here and then I'm going to go off to Mr. Big. I think the art, along with the words, I think some of the text in this, I mean, I feel like I'm attacking the king of comics, but maybe he wasn't the best editor for himself. But the the art on that last page uh, between the pencils and Mike Royer's inks. He looks sad. Oh yeah. Well, I, I think he he's he he's it's that realization that there's, um, you know, there's more to do, and there's so much to do, and you're only one person. And yeah, that's a that's that's a heavy weight to wear. You know, that's a that's a lot. And it sinks in. And it's really interesting, too, because if you flip the page and you had the original book, so we have that forlorn-looking OMAC. We have the letter page where Jack Kirby's writing to us. And he says, write to him. Don't write to DC. Write to me if you want to, to talk about OMAC. And then you flip, flip the page, and we have an ad for Kung Fu, like actual Kung Fu, apparently, yeah. like yes. uh, kicking people. Super muscle okay. system. And DC's 100-page giants, and it, these just seem so out of place because I look, 100 pages of the relaunch of Shazam, 100 pages of Batman, 100 pages of World's Finest, 100 pages of Justice League, 100 pages of maybe Tales from the Unexpected does fit here, uh, right. but Flash and then Young Romance. And they just, it, it's just not, it doesn't fit. They don't match. And I think yeah. that was part of the the problem with Kirby at DC is what we have here is a really interesting story. It's pulling you in, but it just doesn't match with the catalog of comics that they're producing at the time. Yeah, what they're trying to put out to the reader and or, um, you know, get on the shelf or on the spinner rack or whatever, or have you order in <laughs> is totally different than the story that they're selling you for 20 cents. So on that note... That's going to wrap up episode 254, OMAC Corporate Citizen. Greg, do you have anything to plug? Uh, Currently right now, uh, if you're hearing this and we are still in the month of October and November of 2020, we are running the Starlight Kickstarter for Starlight Comic, issues one and two on Kickstarter at starlightcomic.com and Kickstarter. You can go there and back the comic book we are fully funded right now but we're going for stretch goals 
And depending on when this does come out, Greg, uh, I will say if you miss the Kickstarter for issue two, the Kickstarter for issue three will be out soon after that. And I highly recommend the series. I don't peddle all of Greg's stuff, but I am having a lot of fun with this thing. Uh, so far, they left me hanging in the first issue, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. But if you go to the Kickstarter, you can grab issue one and two. It's uh, just just so anyone that uh, that is listening, um, it is a seven seven book series uh, for the first arc, and it is about a brother and sister superhero team who is in retirement. They are young teenagers who have been on their superhero. Uh, um, they are superheroes as children, and uh, they just want to lead a normal life. But uh, space cat pirates who are on a mission from their spider wizard, trans-dimensional spider wizard overlords. Just can't leave them alone. Hey, Dan, where can we be found on Twitter and Instagram? Well, Greg, that's funny you ask, because you can find us at funnybook4n6, because Twitter and Instagram won't let us spell out all those letters. So look for funnybook4n6. Get it, the number four, the letter N, and the number six, because it sounds like forensics. Oh, wow. What about Facebook? Well, on Facebook, you can just find us at Funny Book Forensics, the words all spelled out, because Facebook let us have all the letters. That is awesome. So go find us, like us, follow us, do all those things, and uh, interact with us, because we like to answer your questions. So if you'll check our Facebook and Twitter pages, often you will find us announcing what comic's coming up. So go ahead and read along and you can join in the thought process as Greg and I dissect these comics, hence the idea of Funny Book Forensics. We want to look for the arguments in these comics, look at the impact on society, but also have a little fun. And so we're going to pull out good comics, bad comics, but we're going to look at the era that they're in and dissect these things. So if you have a recommendation... Yeah, send it to us because we want to check it out and uh, and have that conversation. And I think Greg and I may even be getting into, if we can find a copy, so readers, actually, I'm, I'm calling this out. Oh, if yeah. you have a copy of US1, oh. the Marvel yeah. comic from the 80s, High Road yeah. Trucking, that you would like to send over to Greg and I, uh-huh. Send us a message on Twitter or Facebook, uh, PM us, and Greg will hook you up with his address so you can come stock his house. And uh, we'll go ahead and and get that sent out. Have it sent to the store. (laughs) A brave one you are, sir. But yeah, you know, reach out to us because we have been looking into that and we haven't found it yet. So maybe it's on Comixology. And uh, if it is, I'll cut that part out. But... Yeah, US one. So let's end this podcast now, Greg. Okay, we'll we'll leave it here because uh, that's where it's been left. And folks, thank you so much for joining us for episode two fifty four, and we will see you soon. Now on Kickstarter, Starlight's issue one and two, transdimensional spider wizards and space pirate cats kidnap former washed up sibling child superheroes. Starlight issue number two picks right up where the popular first issue left off, providing new insights and perspectives into the Starlight universe. Issue number two will help readers make sense of the action packed stories. The readers will learn more about the alien creatures that lie within and who the child superheroes are, or rather are not. Starlight issues one and two brought to you by Overcast Comics, the creative team is comprised of 
Travis Webb, Brett Waddell, Greg Smith, edited by David Mayer, additional cover by Jenna Ayub. This project can be found on Kickstarter in comics. Starlight will be available on Kickstarter starting October 13th through November 13th. You can find it at starlightkickstarter.com. That's starlight, S-T-A-R-L-I-T-E, kickstarter.com.